See, you, you don't see that on an Andy Williams Christmas special. You, you, you know, or the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doesn't get up there in somewhere in Utah and in their robes and their gowns and with a big pipe organ that they have in the back that takes up a whole back wall. And then as the camera turns on them and they have the, the big tree and the beautiful, um, the whole sense of place and majesty that the tabernacle has over there. And then the spotlight hits a little Bahamian man with three teeth in his head and half crocked, three quarters crocked on very, very fine homemade rum, just sitting there going, I think that would be so much better than, than what we are normally trained to expect now from the same ten Christmas songs that we hear everywhere we go. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my God, I was in uh, Forest Hills yesterday with my wife and my in-laws and it was very nice and we had a lovely meal and we had fun, but if I tell you we would go to Starbucks, we would go to the restaurant, we would go, um, because I was with two women, we would go, God help us, shopping in The Gap and Eddie Bauer and, and places like that. And every single one, it was the same songs. And it's irritating and it's infuriating. And I've been saying this for years. I mean, for one thing, A, I'm not a Christian. Hello, my name's Dave Lefkowitz. This is a little big time. And with a name like Lefkowitz, you can kind of guess where I feel and, and on what side of the fence I am regarding Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, and all that, all those myths and stuff. And B, even if I were a Christian, I think if I heard the Christmas song, the you know, chestnuts roasting, etc., and so forth, or um, any of them at this point, I would be out of my freaking gourd. I, w- I would just, I couldn't, uh, I don't know why there aren't more Oklahoma Mall incidents. I will bet that the kid um, in the Oklahoma Mall, I mean, they say, okay, he was depressed and he had school troubles and he had issues and he had a personality defect. I'll bet that he was in the store, uh, in the mall, minding his own business, walking around, maybe getting a burger, something greasy to eat. Maybe he was looking for a pair of socks, you know, or, or some underwear. Or maybe there's a music store there. And he wandered into a store that played Frosty the Snowman one time too often. And he just grabbed his rifle and went... Because I know I would. Um, And it's just... You know, I'm so happy. There's just one or two more days of all this to go. I mean, I've been... And the reason, of course, I'm complaining is now that Christmas, as I've said again and again on the radio, on my shows, that Christmas doesn't begin Christmas Eve, December 24th. It doesn't begin on Christmas Day, December 25th. It doesn't, doesn't begin, let's say, the week before for shopping and ornamenting and decorating the house and doing and sending out the cards and everything. No. Christmas starts the day after Labor Day. We all know that. We all start seeing the Christmas stuff on QVC and HSN, and then the real commercials start right after Halloween. Used to be they wait until after Thanksgiving. No more. Now, it just accumulates and it builds and it builds. And, and, and I was saying earlier in the evening on the big time show, that's the one that goes from 6 to 8 on Sunday nights, 
So I was saying, now I woke up this morning and put, it sounds like the beginning of a blues song. I woke up this morning and I put on my TV. I hated it so much that I could not see it, so I turned it off. I should have turned it off. Because what they were talking about was, they were dissecting the economics of how all the businesses fared and how Wall Street thinks businesses have fared over the holidays. It was another, I mean, in the guise of trying to say, oh, well, here's how this will affect the the stock market and here's how the merchants will do for the year if so-and-so, if these numbers are correct as far as what people bought and how much they spent and how many things they bought and blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, it was just another push. It all becomes just one more push to get people to go out and spend more and feel guilty if they're not getting gifts for everybody. To feel guilty if they're not really taking part in, quote-unquote, the Christmas season, the Christmas so-called spirit. And I, I only remember what channel I was watching, but we all know. The morning shows, the so-called news shows, for the past three, four weeks have been what? It's been all, well, these are the cool electronics that everybody will be looking for this year. You know, these are the new fashions. These will be the spring fashions that everybody will want. It's just absolutely ridiculous and unconscionable. I mean, uh, you go back 50-odd years to someone like Stan Freeberg, the satirist, the humorist, and also an ad- a former advertising man, so he knew whereof he spoke. And Freeberg was doing these great satires of how re- insanely commercial that the holidays, <clears throat> the holiday season has become, how everything's bled into each other. Christmas is Hanukkah, Hanukkah is Christmas. Kwanzaa is who the hell knows what that is. And then everybody has to celebrate all of it. Everybody has to buy, buy, buy. That's all it's about. That really is now all the whole thing's about. Just getting you into the store to spend something on someone. Because if you don't, that store owner's going to have a miserable 11 more months. Because this is, <clears throat> this is when he makes his money. This is when the, the margins, what they come down to. I just, I, I hate it more and more. I mean, sometimes I feel a little more tolerant. You know, people are cheerful, and they get in a nice spirit, and the streets are kind of nice with, with lights and the, the warm glow, because, let's face it, this time of the year, even though we had a surprisingly warm, albeit rainy day, this time of year does need something. That's why we have so many holidays this time of year. There's a reason Christmas and Hanukkah aren't in the middle of May. We don't need them there. No, we need stuff like that now. And, and what we need now is nice meals, convivia- conviviality, friendliness, family, stuff like that. What we don't need is every commercial, every Christmas song repeated 150 zillion times, and we don't need it to start two months <clears throat> before the holiday. So I've gotten on this jag before, but I haven't been so... Um, I don't know, so crabby about it as I am at this particular moment this year. This year I really, really feel the overwhelmingness of it. The, the just relentless crush of commerce and hate it. And I'm so glad that we're only 48 hours away from, from what? From the after Christmas sales. When you go in and buy because uh, they didn't sell quite as much as they thought they would. So now they're going to mark things down 30% more. That's why. You know, we, were, we were wandering through Barnes & Noble, uh, the one attached to the Starbucks in Forest Hills yesterday, and we're thinking, well, 
Well, we get calendars for people because they're kind of cool. There's like a Jewish calendar with Jewish sayings and dog calendars because we love dogs and all that and a tattoo calendar. And we're looking and we're thinking, oh, these calendars here are $12, $17 sometimes. And you know, like the week after Christmas, well, no, the week after New Year's, like January 3rd, these calendars are going to be four ninety-nine. I mean, and, and after that, nobody's going to buy you. You'll get them on eBay for 85 cents because who needs it? But, of course, the week before, with the holidays looming, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, I'm, I'm so glad we did not buy any calendar. We just bought a book, and that, that was it. And uh, and it was a, a fairly used-looking book at that, marked down. And, and, uh, and I, feel, I feel good about buying marked-down, used kind of stuff this time of year. I want to spend as little as I possibly can. And not just because I'm broke, ladies and gentlemen, but because, to, just to show them, just to say, all right, yes, I know I need to buy gifts, and people sometimes buy gifts for me, thank you very much, and I blah, 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 all right, fine. But I want to get something, A, people will actually want and use, and B, I want to spend more, one penny, one hey penny, to use an anglicization, if that, I don't even know if that's a word. Anglicization, whatever. Uh, I want to spend one Pay penny more than I need to on gifts this time of year. I don't mind spending a little, you know, on, on Hanukkah, New, on New Year's, or if you're going to visit family, you bring a gift. But, enough's eh, enough already. Just really, really sick of it all. <sighs> anyway, on a lighter... It's amazing that I, I, I go on a ten-minute jag about Christmas. Christmas, holidays, glad tidings, good cheer... And by the time I get through with it, I'm like, well, on a lighter note. <laughs> when there shouldn't really be a lighter note. Anyway, it's 10.43 p.m. on this Sunday night, December 23rd. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, if I haven't mentioned that before. I think I did. And I'm the host of this program, The Little Big Time, every Sunday night at 10.30 on WGBB Freeport. I'm also the host of the show that follows this program directly on this station. And that show is called Dave's Gone By. And it has aired on this radio station since October 2002. We have had more than 250 episodes of the show. As marked gratefully, thank you very much. That was the best gift of my holiday season. We got mentioned in the Daily News. Thanks to uh, TV and radio columnist David Hinckley. Give us just a one-liner saying congratulations or, or whatever. Not even congrats. Just Dave Lefkowitz um, of has passed the 250th episode on Dave's, of Dave's Gone By. Just that was, was a bigger gift. Although, actually, we got, well, we got a couple of nice gifts this year. Thank you to my in-laws. So I'm, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I got some, uh, some good gifts too. But, but that felt really good. It felt personal in a way that some other things aren't necessarily. And so the show that I continue to do at 11 called Dave's Gone By, is comedy and talk radio and interviews and music and more. A little different every week. For 80-something years, WGBB has been serving the community with music and talk and stuff. I can't see my radio dial anymore, but I know it's tuned to AM 1240 WGBB Freeport. Now leave me alone. It's 11 o'clock and time for Dave's Gone By. Wait. Did I remember to pee? Uh-oh.
Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! Well, there goes the neighborhood. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, everyone, on the Sunday night, December 23rd, 2007, for the 252nd episode of Dave's Gone By. We're calling this one Mr. Lefkowitz, I presume, because it's going to be Lefkowitz meets Lefkowitz. Lefkowitz versus Lefkowitz, if you will. There's going to be two of us. Now, I've had people on this program with my last name, but they've tended to be relatives. I've had my dad, Philip Lefkowitz. I've had... Actually, I don't know if I've had any other Lefkowitz. My wife has kept her maiden name, so she's not technically a Lefkowitz. And then my mom, well, she's never been on this show except very... Oh, maybe her voice has been on the show. But anyway, I found the Lefkowitz who is not a relative and who has agreed to come on this program and uh, just shows you that other Lefkowitzes are as desperate and sick as I am. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us in a little while will be Josh Lefkowitz. He's an up-and-coming performance artist monologist. And what that means is he'll get on stage and talk about his life but in a prepared, clever kind of a way. He'll cull the interesting facets of his life and the themes that are coursing through his existence and just share with people. And sometimes you can do that and it's really boring, or sometimes you do that and you turn into a Spalding Gray, who is kind of the master of this, where just these incidents all add up to a fascinating experience. And Josh has been getting some grants and getting some... uh, some regional play with his monologues. And so I wanted to talk to him about that and also just about the fact of what it's like, what it's like going through life with a last name like Lefkowitz. So that is our special guest on tonight's episode of Dave's Gone By. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, by the way, your erstwhile journeyman host. I do want to say that, uh, give a shout out, to Jeff Goodman. I thought Jeff would be back with us this week, both on The Little Big Time, the show that airs right before this program, and he's very often a guest co-host on Dave's Gone By. But Jeff is back from Thailand, but he's in California at the moment. He's doing one of these crazy um, airline jags that he so often does, where he's going to, like, from California, San Diego, to, like, Bahamas to Florida to back to San Jose and then up to New York to Islip. I don't even want to think about it. It makes my head burn. So he'll probably be back next week, if not certainly in the new year. But I'm happy to say that Jeff had a wonderful time in Thailand. He's back in the States and he'll be back with us very soon. But I'm here on this uh, December 23rd and I'm here courtesy of some wonderful sponsors 
including Hewlett Minuteman Press, the Copy Kings of Broadway, located at 1315 Broadway in Hewlett, New York. 516-569-5577 is their phone number, and Dave's Gone By listeners get 10% off at Hewlett Minuteman Press. We're also brought to you by Jeff Goodman's company, Fancy Schmancy Balloons, for all your party decorating needs. Their number... Get a pen. I know you didn't have it for the uh, for Minuteman. Now, if you have a pen, write this down. 516-797-3229. 797-3229. For centerpieces and balloons and everything that will make your party look great. We're brought to you by MortgagesRock.com, which tells you how to get mortgages and other kinds of financing, not only for yourself, but if you learn how to do the paperwork for your friends and family and co-workers, MortgagesRock.com, that's the place to go. And Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, the Bible of Broadway, for 65 years. Amazing. It's a journal that will tell you everything that's going on on the stages of New York. Find out more at PerformingArtsInsider.com. And remember, until the end of the year... Uh, Dave's Gone By listeners get a really significant discount. It, it, normally it's just 10%, but um, there's a big special till December 31st. I think they're giving you like $80 off an annual subscription of 21 issues. So check it out at performingartsinsider.com. And as long as we're on things that I'm reminding you of, don't forget that Shalom Dammit, Rabbi Saul Solomon's Peace, Love, and Acid Reflux Hour, airs every Wednesday morning at 7.30 on Channel 20 of Woodbury Cable. But you can watch it anytime on YouTube. As a matter of fact, the um, the special New Year episode, which was going to run this week, but is pushed back a week on cable, will be running already on YouTube. You can see it now. All the madness, all the chaos, and all the beautiful rabbinical teachings of the Rebbe are on YouTube. Just go to Shalom Dammit and see Episode 8 of the show. Well, okay, let's see. I've told you about that, and I've told you the content of this show, which includes Josh Lefkowitz. We'll be going inside Broadway, and I'll be reviewing a couple of off-Broadway shows, including the William Finn review, Make Me a Song. And, uh, oh yeah, one thing I did want to mention, and I wanted to say it early in the show rather than later. I was checking out, um, they did a server move over at TheaterPod. So that's a place that has 25 older episodes of this program that you can listen to anytime for free. You know, I mean, you can buy this show on CD once it's done, and it's like $11 and stuff. But if you want to hear some older episodes, no cost, any time of day or night, there's a website where you can go and, and listen. It was TheaterPod, but they, they've migrated the servers or whatever these iTech people do. And now it's at theateronline.com. The actual address is dgb.theateronline.com. If that's a little too much to, to remember or deal with, I have a link directly from my homepage, davesgoneby.org. In fact, there's a whole bunch of stuff at davesgoneby.org. That's the first place to go, and you can click everywhere from there anytime you want to. Anyway, what I want to do is play a quickie commercial and then get to my special guest of the evening, Mr. Lefkowitz, I presume. Did you know that I, Dave, am not just a fantastic radio personality, I'm also a playwright, and my book, Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World, is filled with the same humor I bring to Dave's Gone By every week. 
Funny, sad, true. Makes a great gift. Marriage, babies, and the end of the world. Only $20 hardcover, $12 trade paperback. To get your copy, call 516-295-1511 or email davesgoneby at aol.com. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. And, um, you know, we all kind of want to feel unique and that uh, we're special and the only ones just like ourselves in the world. So it can be kind of strange running into people sometimes who are very much like us or look like us or even have our names, our last names, who aren't obviously relatives and stuff or, or who may be doing some of the same kinds of things that we do. And so I've got a bit of a surprise. Now, I know that I can Google and see my name, Dave or Dave Lefkowitz, David Lefkowitz, and find out that there's a cantor in a synagogue in New York who has my name, no relation, and that there's um, another David Lefkowitz who's either a producer or, or a bass player in a band. He does music stuff. And he's not me either. So, but if you Google my name, there they are. And I know that there's a there was an attorney general named Louis Lefkowitz, who is no relation that I know of, and probably the, still the best-known Lefkowitz that there is. But there are others out there, and found one by accident when I got a press release about a performance artist, a, mon- a monologist, kind of like a Spalding Gray, Mike Daisy type, who, um, who's out there making a name for himself, doing some one-man shows. And his name is Josh Lefkowitz. And I just couldn't, it's not like my name is Joe Smith. Uh, it's not like my name is even, uh, you know, Terry Cohen. I mean, Lefkowitz, it's, how, it's a name that you remember. You remember the, the, the TV sitcom Soap because of Elaine Lefkowitz. I and mean, I, I think they even used the name in one of the Larry David shows. So anyway, I'm Dave Lefkowitz. I've got on the phone Josh Lefkowitz, assumedly no relation. I'm going to talk to him about who he is. Hello, Josh. Hey, how's it going? I'm <laughs> good. I'm good. A little bit of a long intro there, but uh, so so let's let's start off with what you do and what you're currently working on. Uh, sure, I'm a, I'm both an actor and a writer, and uh, maybe about four or five years ago, I um, combined the two interests in the form of, uh, of a monologue, of an autobiographical monologue. And yes, the the folks you grouped me with, I'd say that's pretty accurate grouping: Spalding Gray and Mike Stacy. And um, I wrote these, um, you know, wrote my first full-length autobiographical monologue. It was called Help Wanted, A Personal Search for Meaningful Employment at the Start of the 21st Century. <laughs> Good luck, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much exactly what it sounds like, and uh, just sort of a narrative tale uh, talking about the experiences of graduating with, uh, you know, a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree and sort of finding one's way in the world. And, um, and mm-hmm. then so was able to generate a little bit of... Um, get heat is what they call it or success or interest from that and um, was recently commissioned by a theater down in Washington D.C. a Woolly Mammoth Theater Company oh yeah, uh, yeah. they're pretty well known oh yeah yeah I feel real lucky to have known them they, they ended up presenting the first piece Help Wanted and it got some you know got really favorable reviews about which I was very happy And, and yeah, so that like, I assume concerned your work in the, in the normal, in the non-creative, non-performing arts job market. So, oh, including such things as? Oh, parking attendant in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, all the standard stereotypes, waiter, temp, a, you know, temp agency, mail clerk, uh, executive secretary to the receptionist of the office 
department of the, you know, user support, data analyst, you name it, all that. How do you get so many short-term jobs? Were they part-time to begin with, or did you just get fired after a couple of weeks? (laughs) Well, I wasn't the best employee. I think (laughs) lurking in all of those experiences was always this need to, uh, you know, find a way to get back to the creative work. But um, I think it was also a combination of just hungry for experiences. I mean, there's one part in the show, and I quite literally say, I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, what would Spalding do? And I'm thinking about Spalding Gray quite literally aloud in the show. I'm thinking about this. You know, my last great hero, this this, this you know, artist who had turned the material of his life into this incredible work. And so yeah, I think at one point, the point in this story, the temp agency is calling up. They're saying NASA's on the phone. NASA, I'm thinking, oh, my God, do you want me to launch a spaceship? Is that why they're calling? And they're like, not exactly. They want you to dress up in a spacesuit and take pictures with a bunch of little kids. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree at the University of Michigan. It's, I don't do that. And then I think to myself, you know, what would Spalding do? And I think, well, he probably would take the job just because it would be such a wacky experience to have. And uh, yeah. then I end up doing that. And I think that sort of was my guiding impetus those first couple of years right out of school. Well, first of all, it's a, a job's a job. And it puts money on the table. Uh, well, money, food in the fridge, money on the table, or how, whatever the metaphor is there. And, as you said, it becomes fodder. Uh, where would we be had um, David Sedaris not worked for Macy's for a couple of weeks? Exactly. And come a great with, example. Yeah, the Santa Land Diaries. I mean, you, you, that's where it all comes from. One, one of the, the blocks that I sometimes have as a writer is the fact that you know, I sit there and write, and I do my stuff, and I do this radio show, and I, I do, I'm working on a TV thing that I'm directing locally, and, and the stuff, and it's all feeds on itself. It's like this cycle, and there isn't that much outside of it to talk about or report on. I have to jump into the newspaper when I get on the radio, because I haven't had so many life experiences during the week that I can tell people that, that were particularly interesting. I just thought yeah, I'd mention. <laughs> yeah, I think that's totally accurate. And, yeah, it certainly, you know, makes for, uh, you know, the more wacky, wild, dramatic, high-low experiences there are. I mean, the, the material ends up being all the better for it. And that, that sort of actually ends up playing into uh, what the new piece is about, the one that Willie Mammoth commissioned. The, the title of it is called Now What? And it's, I guess you could say it's sort of a sequel, though I think it ends up living okay on its own. There were quite a number of people that... Saw it. I just was doing it down there in D.C. this fall, and um, there were people that saw it that had not been exposed mm-hmm. to Help Wanted, and I tried to do a nice little quick recap early on in the show just to catch everyone up to speed. But uh, it's sort of about okay, you, this is you've declared yourself as a autobiographical monologist, or uh, among other things, and so now you will do this. You will end up writing about the events of your day, and so now the mantra that's kind of going in my head throughout the the narrative of the piece is maybe you should write about this, maybe you should write about this, and someone will say something or do something, and I'll think, maybe you should write about this. And uh, the, it comes to a sort of a dramatic peak, a climax, if you will, um, about three-quarters of the way through the show, when uh, my girlfriend and I are sort of going through a difficult uh, period of issues of, you know, pretty standard to, I think, any long-term relationship and long-distance relationship but that. Mm-hmm. And even now the voice is really picking up its speed and momentum and volume as it says, maybe you should write about this, maybe you should write about this, <laughs> and it comes to a head when, uh, you know, <laughs> the person whom I'm writing about, you know, just starts to wonder, you know, what, what's the cost of this work going to be? You're not dating Renee Shafransky, are you? 
Is it, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You're not dating Renee Shafransky, are you? No. A <laughs> no, no, no. joke there. No, but um, so so what is like one of the key um, comical, let's hopefully go for anecdotes of now what the the piece that you're working on now? Sure. Well, I, I guess one of the lighter moments comes with. I mean, you know, the question of now what extends not just to the you know the quality of the work, but also the quality of life. I mean, now I've been with this same girlfriend, her name is Annika, and she's a primary figure in all all the things I end up writing and performing, and, you know, we've been together for a really long time, and one night we're just lying in bed in Brooklyn, and she says, she says, you know, you're, I just really want to let you know that sometimes you can be very selfish. I was sick all weekend, and I had a sore throat, and, you know, my nose was clogged up, and you didn't do anything to take care of me, and I, I just couldn't help but think, I mean, if this is what it's like when I'm sick, just like this, just sick on a regular basis, I mean, what would it be like if I were pregnant? That's what I want to know, because oh, it feels like you wouldn't be there for me because you're not there for me now. And so then, in my mind, and then aloud to the audience, I start thinking about, oh, God, oh, no, <laughs> not the idea of these kids. I mean, here I want to be this artist, this great, you know, downtown, or in this case, Brooklyn, avant-garde performing artist, and now I've got these imaginary kids sitting on my lap, and the kids are like, feed me, clothe me, take me to swimming lessons. And I'm like, quiet, Josh Jr., quiet, Joshina, I don't have time for you. Joshina! I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like that Joshina, that's very yeah. good. How old are you, by the way? Oh, uh, right now I'm 26. Oh, so you, until you're 29, you don't have to listen to any of that biological clock crap. I'm so, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm 43, I'm listening to it loud and clear, but you've got, you know, you've got time, dude. I don't care how long you two have been together. <laughs> yeah, it's just speculation. You know how it is. Every time the phone rings and a friend from back home says, I'm getting married or I'm having a baby, you just think, oh, my God. Uh, please. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. I am so with you. Are you were you born in Michigan, or where uh, are you yeah, from? Yeah, suburbs, suburbs of Detroit, uh, West Bloomfield, Michigan. I grew up there, and uh, went to school in Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan, and then lived in Washington D.C. for a couple years. It just sort of with this fluke incident, a uh, professor, you know, offered me an opportunity to audition for a, a play, um, and I was able to do it, and then moved subsequently up to New York, and now live in uh, Park Slope in Brooklyn. Oh, very cool. Cool. Which is also, you know, plays in, in now uh, the idea of like all of these you know, worries and woes about kids, and then you walk the streets of Park Slope, and everyone is trendy with their coffee mug in one hand and their baby stroller in the other, and babies, babies everywhere, and and Tallis's too. <laughs> I should imagine. Hi, this is Josh Lefkowitz, the monologist, and you're listening to Days Gone By at WGBB. And if you're not listening, then how are you hearing this? We're talking with Josh Lefkowitz. No relation, as far as I know. That's also what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, a, were you raised semi-religious, conservative, not even religious at all? And B, who are your parents? I'm curious. Sure. Um, my parents are uh, Paul and Janice. And I'll go back one generation. Two more I can do, because I figured we would come to this day. But yeah, I figured of course. We were, right, we were t- talking about it. Um my grandparents are um, Janet. Uh, wait, no, that's my mother, Janet. So Nobody has grandparents, grandparents named Janet. No Jews have grandparents named Janet back <laughs> back then. <laughs> the grandparents are uh, Ruth and Julian, and uh, Julian's father was uh, Ben. Ben came over uh, from Russia, I believe, unless I wasn't paying attention correctly. If, uh, Do you know what part of was it like Russian Poland or or where? Uh, I I don't even know. I should have looked into this, but I I never did. Uh, hmm. So. And then oh, the other side, like the other side of the family. The other side is Blau is the name, and uh, the grandparents are uh, Edward 
uh, and uh, Eddie and Florence. Eddie and Florence. I'm not and beyond uh, that. I can't do. Okay. Mm, okay. I'm not getting any kind of read on that. I mean, I'm I, my parents are Brenda and Philip on the left which side. Going into like, ever heard of the Rosemarin Clan? Uh, no, no, Ooh, no. Like, I guess we're. In, I mean, who who the heck knows? It could be fourth generation, fourth cousins, ten times removed, with, and, and and still be like from adjoining towns in Russia. And still not really know it, the way these things work out, you I guess, know? I still feel the, the kinship, for sure. Well, cool. Well, yeah, well, you know how it is when you have a name like this. You kind of right. think, Louis Lefkowitz, maybe, maybe. Uh, do you know any other Josh Lefkowitzes? Have you ever heard your name before in full? Well, a lot of times I have a Google alert set up, and so, you know, I'll get emails about it. And apparently there's a Josh Lefkowitz who um, is very good at tennis, or at least was on the collegiate level, NCAA. He often won a lot of championships, or maybe is still winning them. I don't know if he's still in school. A true uh, good in sports. Oh, my God. Okay. I know. I <laughs> Every time I get that, I'm like, no, no, no. That's Pindy. not this Josh Lefkowitz. Uh. <laughs> and then there's another Josh Lefkowitz that um, I think he wrote some uh, terror reports analysis for um, at least one time it was the Village Voice and I know this because my friend uh, emailed me and uh, said how wonderful that you would write this what a great contribution this is to the world at large or something along those lines and I had to unfortunately write her back and say no 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 that's not me I'm the Josh Lefkowitz that writes about himself himself nothing but himself yeah no, that's no, no, more no. like me totally yeah the, the hell with the world <laughs> that's you know it's about us that's, that's right. the main point Sponsor me, time's gone by, run your ad, folks will buy. If you want to reach the public, sponsor me. Advertise on this program for incredibly reasonable rates with long-term discounts. See prices at davesgoneby.org or call 516-295-1511. Sponsor me, if you're wise, on Dave's Gone By, you'll advertise. If you want to be successful, sponsor me. Hi, this is Josh Lefkowitz, the writer and performer. And though I'm not related to Dave Lefkowitz, I wish I were. You're listening to Dave Gone By at WGBB. I'm talking with Josh Lefkowitz, the performer, monologist, the uh, the author and cast sole cast member of Help Wanted, a personal search for meaningful employment at the start of the 21st century, and his newest performance piece, Now What, which was recently done in Washington, D.C. When are you going to be doing it in New York? That is a good question. Um, I was able to do a couple of readings downtown. Uh, Dixon Place is a space down and right beside Bowery, uh, mm-hmm. or on Bowery's in Houston, and that was nice. I'd like to do a longer run, but um, the question is, you know, always with New York, it's about timing and um, you know, right. the right space at the right time, being able to uh, make it so that the maximum amount of, you know, people can know about it and will be able to attend. There, there are people that work on this that are bigger and more knowledgeable about, about it than I am, so... Um, all I know for now is it's going to Baltimore Center Stage. It's a great theater there, and they've they've been big fans and big, very just very kind to me over the years, and really helped me with Help Wanted. They helped me get their dramaturgs and literary staff, helped me put the thing together, and always offering feedback and advice. And they presented Help Wanted last January, and now have just said, I mean, it was so cool. They heard about Woolly Mammoth down in D.C. commissioning the new piece, and they pretty much said they were just like you know we're interested in this and we we let's try to make it work because we'd love to have you come back and we were able to do it so it'll be this January the second to the twentieth in Baltimore and 
a gorgeous eater, and I just they're really kind to me there. And uh, cool. I, I eat like three crab cakes a week when I'm there. I just <sighs> spend so much. That's so not kosher, man. <laughs> and then my God, I love to it. I don't know. But um, you studied apparently with or under uh, Eric Bogosian. Yes, he's been a uh, mentor for uh, a couple of years now, a few years. Um, right out of school, that I I'd heard about this. Um, residency down in Florida. It was like one of those arts residencies. This one was the Atlantic Center for the Arts. Uh-huh. They always have uh, different master artists coming in. I think they do it four times a year, three different master artists each time and a, a variety of mediums and teaching ten what they call associate artists, which are really people that they take from a pool of applicants to come and you know work for three weeks in blissful Florida with these sunny walkways and palm trees overhead and your food is prepared for you and it's <laughs> really quite a wonderful experience. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Eric Bogosian was a, the master artist down there, one of the three. Uh, it was in October of 2003, and I applied, and uh, apparently everyone else ended up meeting with him and doing interviews in New York. I, I was still in Michigan at the time, had just finished up school, so I just sent in this crazy audition video. I just videotaped myself doing some ridiculous character that I had written, and uh, it hit the spot for him. It was a wonderful experience, and he you know, accepted me, and I went down and, and trained with him and uh, learned under him, got to work on a new play that he had been writing, and he sort of gave some feedback about the solo work and just about the life of an artist in general. I mean... Well, I really so he was very helpful. Of, he, he oh, was, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, what's something I, that specifically that he taught you? Oh, that's... I know. Huh. Um, let's see. I mean... Is there anything you can put your finger on, like, um, you know, or, or maybe just an overall yeah. sense that you got from him? Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question is, it wasn't even down at the residency, but it was just something recently. I went to this event that he, they were honoring him at PS122, uh, you know, the same performance space sure. downtown, and they did a whole fancy uh, auction night, uh, and he was sort of the centerpiece of that night. And I, you know, said hey to him, and congrats on, you know, Law and Order and CI and all that um, awesome stuff that he's all in the play on Broadway and off-Broadway, and, just, you know, had such a great lovely, I don't want to call it a renaissance, but he really did get, you know, all this great stuff started happening, picking up speed again, and I guess the secret there is to just keep making the work, and you come around, and it comes around, and it goes around, but anyway, the point is I went up to him, and at this point, I was really struggling with the content of now what, and I didn't know to what degree I should um, uh, bear myself or put it all in the show, and so I sort of asked him about that, or just real quickly, I mean, everyone was crowding around trying to get to him, and I was like, hey, do you remember me? And he was like, yeah, of course. He was really kind. Yeah, yeah, of course I remember you. Yes, hello, Good. Josh. How's it going? And I said, I'm really struggling with this piece. I'm working on the new solo, and how do I, you know, I'm not sure how much to put in. And I, he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember, but he was like, just put it all in there, and, we'll, you know, you can worry about the rest of it later, but just hmm. put it all in there. And uh was an awesome piece of advice, and I totally adhered. It was like exactly what I needed to hear at that one moment, and I totally adhered to the advice completely. Well, um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you as, as sort of a fellow writer and toiler in some level of creative endeavor is, how do you, how do you schedule your writing and work time, balancing it with your making money time and your all the stuff you have to do to live and get your name and your work out there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, could ask the same for you. I, I mean, the rate. I mean, I don't know what the radio show ends up picking up in terms of time, or has it become? Um, I don't know. But I guess everyone's 
sort of piecing together puzzle is different, but for me, I have to do the writing in the morning because otherwise it just looms like a rain cloud for the rest of the day, mm-hmm. and uh, I just can't. I don't like to work like that. So if I can get in three hours in the morning, nice. um, I can. I'm pretty happy after that, and and then for getting the word out. I mean, you know, I always get this piece of advice from my aunt. She's a painter out in Oakland, California. And she, she reserves all of that stuff for Sunday, but she's so in love with the process, and I feel like she's just a mature artist, more mature than I am, because I still feel a little young and a little antsy, and I really want to, like, you know, make make sure that people know about things and, you know, get the business side crackling and make sure that things are happening and always more opportunities, more chance for, you know, work to get presented and fame and awards and stardom and I own the country, that sort of thing, and I get re- I it's, it's dangerous. I mean, I get swept up in that and all of a sudden I forget about what's yeah. really important which is of course not the product at the end but the process of making the work and I'm trying to work on that but I don't know I spend a lot of the afternoon on the email doing that whole thing Facebook MySpace going on YouTube all the wasting all oh, that yeah. time and well do you have an agent at this point? Uh, yes cool. my uh, literary agent and uh, and an acting agent pretty much as well um, is so, it's, yeah, I'm lucky. I feel, you know, fortunate to, to have those people working for me. So, you've, as an actor, you've appeared in other people's stuff as well. Mm-hmm. That was what my training was in. Um, I, I guess my Bachelor of Arts degree is in acting, but then I took a lot of writing courses as well. But, the, um, yeah, that's how, for the first couple of years out of school, I was pretty much, um, you know, acting traditionally in plays and, and whatnot. And then the writing started to pick up and... And even still, I try to, I like to do, if it was up to me, I would do at least one project a year that would be just, you know, straight up acting. I think it's healthy, to be honest, because when I get too lost in the solo world, it's, first of all, it's terribly lonely, because there's no cast members to hang out with, and I don't even, you know, work with a director currently, so it's really just right. me just doing yeah. the thing, and it's a lot more fun when there's other people. You know, they think theater is collaborative, and when I get lost in the solo world, I think, what are you doing? Wouldn't this be so much more fun to have other people to hang out with. Um, but then, of course, I think it, fuels, it helps the process because then you walk out on stage and you're just so desirous to connect to the audience and it really, I think it helps, it fuels the performance and the ability of just like the artist to say, I need you to listen to what I'm telling you because I'm so very lonely backstage. <laughs> hey, do you, um, are you like Spalding Gray in that you have the notebook and, and the script in front of you or do you memorize and, and, or kind of have cues and that's it? Uh, with the first one, I had the pages actually on stage, and I would turn the pages as I went through the piece, uh, glancing at them from time to time. And it was more of an homage piece to Spalding because, as I think I've already mentioned, I mean, he, he was he was a big part right. of the piece. I mean, my adoration for him, and I was able to meet him right, you know, just a few weeks before, um, you know, he, uh, right. just, you know, he oh, really? you met him after the accident and stuff, and you, yeah, uh, just right, right in uh, December of, um, I guess December of. Oh, three. If I'm getting my dates right, or maybe December. Yeah, I think December of three, and then in January of four was I think when he, uh, you know, was he out of it? Was he cordial? Yeah. No. When you um, met him. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it a lot in the show and help on it, but it was a really, you know, on the one hand, there was no way he could live up to my expectation of him because nobody would be able to live up to the, you know, this is all the piece is so much about hero worship and. There's just no way anyone could ever, you know, live up to how we think this person, this god-like, you know, artist or athlete or movie star or whatever, whoever it is we look up to, would be able to, um, 
live up to those expectations. But even more so, I think in in the case of Spalding Gray, I think he was really, you know, getting worse and worse all the time as you know spring turned to summer and fall that year. And so yeah. I think uh, it was, no, it was it was it was a sad moment, definitely. But, but but when you met him, it was sad, but it it wasn't terrible. I mean, he wasn't completely. Well, no. What what was it like meeting him? Uh, very brief. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw him do a reading of Life Interrupted, which was his last right. show that he was working on, and um, it was in the you know in the winter fall late fall into winter of um, that year, and and it was at PS 122, and I was so excited to be there and you know, finally get to see him perform, and uh, you know the performance was n- certainly not what I had hoped it would be, but again I'm not sure that it could have been even had right. it been flawless, um, but it was not, and and I just was waiting at the stage door. I was so nervous, just. Uh, so excited to tell this guy how much, how inspired I had been and motivated to make work just like him. And I mean, I'm sure I was one of hundreds right. and hundreds over the years to, you know, want to convey this to, you know, a visionary artist like that. And I just was, you know, waited at the stage door and he came out and I was just like, I'm Josh Lefkowitz and you are my last great hero. <laughs> I said, you know, thanks. And then oh. shut the door and that was it. And oh. so... And, and it didn't save his life, unfortunately. He didn't look at you like in a Hallmark commercial or something and go, ah, oh, I have reason to, to go on now. You know, I thought I was doing this for nothing, and I thought uh, everything was going bad, and I just want to drown myself. But, you know, this this young fella, he, he was inspired by me, and now he's making art. I'm going to, like, I just saw the end of It's a Wonderful Life, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen that way. But it's been a wonderful chat and conversation with Josh Lefkowitz, the monologist and performer. How do we keep in... You say you have a MySpace page and a web page. How do people keep in touch or, or find out where you're playing and what you're doing? Yeah, a lot of stuff on MySpace. Um, I haven't, I don't know why I haven't set up a website yet. I mean, I even had friends like that are like, I'll design it for you. I'm, you know, but I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm still a little fearful of tattooing the World Wide Web with a slice of me, but I should get over that fear. But for now, it's, yeah, MySpace is a good way. Facebook, all of those Internet sites that I, you know, grudgingly end up spending hours and hours on on time. That's, that's so the best way to get a hold. Should they Google your name and that's how they'll get? Or do you have a, a URL or what for, oh, for the MySpace? Yeah, you could, yeah, probably. I think it's just my, w. Well, I don't think I know. It's yeah. myspace.com and the backslash uh, Josh Lefkowitz. Probably actually well. probably a forward slash rather than a backslash. Oh, oh right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're here to <laughs> exactly. even know that. <laughs> That's about as technical as I can get, but yeah, I, I, it's probably a forward <laughs> thingy. Thingy being the operative term. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I want to thank Josh Lefkowitz. No relation, but uh, certainly, you, you, you are now family because you're in the neighborhood. Now that you've been on the show, now you are technically part of the extended family of uh, Dave's Gone By and the neighborhood. So uh, I want to thank Josh Lefkowitz so much. For, for sharing with us and keeping us posted. And, and do me a favor, let me know, obviously, when you're back and when you're going to be doing Now What in New York. And, and uh, you know, we'll talk some more. I would love that. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for... Yeah, that's, that, I'll definitely do that. Thank you so much. These are the Daves, my friend. The perfect radio blend of comedy, talk, radio, and more. Yes, these are the Daves. More than 185 episodes of Daves Gone By for your listening pleasure. Long drive home? Pop in the Dave. In the mood for a funny sketch? 
pop in a Dave. All CDs come in jewel cases with full packaging, just $11. New low price, same free shipping and handling. Add a dollar and I'll autograph the cover. Don't know which episode? Visit davesgoneby.org or email davesgoneby at aol.com and ask for the CD list. These are the Daves, my friend. Makes a great gift to send. Give them a try. If you love Daves Gone By. If you're like me, you agree that television could always be a little more Jewish. Well, our prayers are answered. Every Wednesday morning, 7.30, on Cablevision Channel 20, Rabbi Saul Solomon, that's me, hosts Shalom Dammit. I do Bible studies, sermons, pelvic exercises, whatever I damn well want. See the episodes on YouTube.com, but also 7.30 Wednesday mornings on Cablevision Channel 20. It's Jewish and it's proud. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nothing. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nothing again. And nothing on the first day, because I'm Jewish. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me one more time. Nothing. Nothing on the second day. Nothing goodness on the first day. I told you I'm Jewish. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me not a damn thing. Nothing on the third day. Nothing on the second. Nothing at all. Damn it. Damn it to hell. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me why was I born? I don't get any presents. Nothing on the fourth day. Bupkis on the third. Shice the second. Nothing. Nothing. Look at Lane. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. I don't have a true love. I've been married 36 years. And I've given her five golden rings. Helps me a tight McBunkus. She still wants more jewelry. Foreskin, I don't have. Trinity, I don't need. Two Bishvat is boring. One mother-in-law, I got. You want her, huh? On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. What have I been saying? Haven't you been listening? I've been getting nothing. Why should I get anything? Can't you tell I'm Jewish? What are you retarded? Oh, how I hate the holidays. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Listen, if I didn't get anything on the first seven days, why the hell would I get something on the eighth? Please use your brains. Do I look like Santa? Yes, I have a beard. No, I don't have reindeer. I've never seen a reindeer. Although, apparently they're kosher. But I still didn't get anything on the first day. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Now, um, wait, hold on. What was it? I'm, uh, I'm thinking it was, uh, oh yeah. Nothing! God, I hate this music. Everywhere you go, every radio station, even in the toilets, it belongs in the toilets. It's not like on Hanukkah. We make you listen to the Dreidel song in the mall. Whatever happened to separation of church and state? And why does my prostate hurt? Can someone tell me that? Eh? Why does my prostate hurt so much? On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me an Uzi so I could shoot myself. So they can bury me in Mount Shoreham Cemetery in Farmingdale, so maybe I'll have a little peace for once. Only the Goyim will show up, 
and instead of leaving rocks and flowers on my grave, they'll decorate my tombstone with ornaments and lights, even in death. They torture me! But you know what? It would be worth it, because I'd be dead. And I wouldn't have to wait online for an hour at Kmart to buy a pair of socks. And I wouldn't have to watch uplifting Christmas movies with Tiffany Amber Thiessen in them. And I wouldn't have to hear the phrase, stocking stuffer, ever again. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me one blood libel. That's <laughs> a bid. I'm just kidding. Look, it could be worse. Jews have it pretty good in this country. We can worship, we can vote, we can buy retail, we can celebrate Hanukkah as if it were Christmas just to make our children really confused. We can live where we want. Well, maybe not certain sections of Scarsdale. But we can eat in kosher restaurants. We can run for president. We can control the media. Or at least that's what they say. Except, if we really do control the media, why the hell are there so many uplifting Christmas movies with Tiffany Amethyst in them? On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me high blood pressure, low blood sugar, ten oppressive commandments, nine days of fasting, eight days of Hanukkah, seven days of Shiva, six days of work. Why was I born? Four Seder questions, three things sustain us, two sets of dishes, and a cartridge in my Uzi. Merry Christmas, Goyim. Happy New Year, Jews. Seasons greetings, everyone. Peace on earth, and goodwill for your sofa. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Total Theater's Performing Arts Insider, your everything theater guide. Well, a very special thank you there to Rabbi Saul Solomon with his 12 Days of Nothing song. If, if you have any desire to hear that song ever again, remember that's part of uh, his show on YouTube, the eighth episode of Shalom Dammit. It's all on YouTube now. Just do a little search under Shalom Dammit, and that's the 12 Days of Nothing. But we have so many things to actually cover and do on this edition of Inside Broadway on Dave's Gone By. First of all, Broadway news. Last week, there was nothing going on. Grinished. And I figured it would be the same all the way through the rest of the year. But boy, was I wrong. Because Gypsy is coming. Gypsy is coming. Gypsy is coming. Ladies and gentlemen, people have been waiting for this since the summer when at Encores, that's the, the series that they have at City Center, where they do these musicals, and they do them with very bare costumes, almost no staging. It's almost like a, a sung concert, but they really concentrate on the music and, and just getting the, the, the show out there without any trappings. And out of encores sprang, of course, Chicago, the great revival of that Kendra and Ebb show. Well, encores did a staging a kind of a special staging with more stuff than usual, more costumes, more sets, more staging, direction than usual, of Stephen Sondheim and uh, Julie Stein's Gypsy, which is considered one of the great American musicals. It really is. And they got the guy who also worked on it way, way back then, Arthur Lawrence. He's directing, and, and he did it out in New Jersey, and then he brought it to Encores, and now... 
it's going to finally come because because they raved about it. People loved it when it played for a couple of weeks over the summer. Patti LuPone is playing Mama Rose. She's stepping into into the, the shoes of people like Ethel Merman and Bernadette Peters. And then there was the Tyne Daly from a couple of years ago and Angela Lansbury. And on TV was uh, Bette Midler, I think, covered the role. I mean, it's a big, it's one of the biggest, juiciest roles for women of a certain age in the American theater. And now they got Patti LuPone, who's almost, yeah, I guess she's of the right age now. And apparently she sings the hell out of it. And if you saw her in Sweeney Todd or any other time on Broadway, in Evita, she's going to be something to see. Laura Benanti is playing Louise. She's the the young girl who breaks out of her shell and discovers that what she wants to be is not a vaudeville performer, but Gypsy Rose Lee, the stripper. And apparently she's she's always marvelous and adorable. So, Laura Benanti, Patti LuPone, and Boyd Gaines, who is ubiquitous. He does like three Broadway shows a season now. He's, um... In fact, he, he's just finishing up Pygmalion. I think that's still running. He plays Pickering in the uh, revival that I gave a rave to last week with Jefferson Mays and Claire Danes. And Boy Gaines was also in Journey's End uh, just last season, that marvelous revival of an old English war play. Well, now, Boy Gaines is going to play Herbie. And uh, he can probably sing a little better than Jack Klugman, who was the original Herbie, if everybody remembers their Gypsy cast albums. But anyway, I'm just excited about this. It's coming to the St. James Theater in April, this coming April, uh, Gypsy. So that's the big Broadway news. But there's a little bit more. Um, there's a show that's eyeing Broadway for the spring of, of this coming year. It's a Tennessee Williams play, or at least part of a Tennessee Williams play that was never finished. So they found someone to do the rest of it. The guy's name is Gore Vidal. They actually found that Gore Vidal interested enough to, to complete the play and flesh it out. And um, it's called Masks Outrageous and some, something else. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I lost the piece of paper with uh, the full title on it. It's a typically interesting Tennessee Williamsy kind of a title. And the New York Post says that it's finished and it's ready and that Broadway will see it in 2008. Also, coming, well, not to Broadway, but from Broadway, on Inside Broadway, remember Tommy Toon? Remember the, the quite amazing career he had for a while as an actor and then as a director-choreographer. He choreographed Grand Hotel, which was pretty spectacular. He was in My One and Only. I mean, it was this big seven-and-a-half-foot Texas guy with charm, and he could dance, and, and he just seemed to have it all, and then kind of didn't really do much for a while. He broke his leg. Remember last week also, we were talking about Busker Alley, which was kind of the show that broke his career in a certain manner of speaking, broke in a bad way, because he was going to star in it, but he hurt his foot, and then nothing came of it until suddenly, after ten years... They're reviving Busker Alley. Jim Dale's going to be in it, and they're going to try and bring that to Broadway. Well, Tommy Toon has crawled out from under the shadows himself. No, he's not coming back to Broadway stages, but he does have a website of his artwork. 
He's been painting and drawing, ladies and gentlemen. His lithographs are on sale at TommyToonGallery.com. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't shill for something like this, but some of them are kind of cute. He does butterflies, pretty innocuous things, tall dancers with top hats. And what, what is, I, I should say, for anybody who's remotely interested, the first batch of lithographs are $20 each. And he even says... Um, on the website. Yeah, I know that sounds cheap. I know it sounds, well, it's probably garbage if that's what he's charging for them. But he says, no, no, he feels art should be affordable, and he wants to get the name out there and give things a head start, and yes, they'll be personalized. He'll, he'll autograph them, he'll do whatever you want for them for like 20 bucks for a litho. That's, you know, I assume it's plus shipping, because it probably costs $12 just to ship the damn thing, but um, Go to TommyToonGallery.com if you're interested. Here's, here's Tommy's quote. At last, welcome to TommyToonGallery.com, which, which has been in the planning for many years, even before the Internet was invented. Of course, back then, I imagined it real, not virtual, but basically, the dream is the same. Just Aga.com and presto, you're invited. Boy, is he gay. But uh, anyway, if you're, if you're interested in seeing his versions of butterflies and bananas, squash, a seahorse, a toucan, and the classic theatrical masks, TommyToonGallery.com. And you know what? For 20 bucks, I'm sure that people paid more than that for one of his playbills of some of his old shows. So if they're autographed, maybe it's worth a look. Anyway, continuing inside Broadway, let's go off-Broadway for a couple of shows that I've seen and want to review for you and let you know about them because they're either closing real soon or fairly soon. First one is Make Me a Song. It's a review, R-E-V-U-E, of songs by William Finn. And uh, people know him mostly for two shows that he's done, Falsettos, which is, is, can, remains his masterpiece. It was a cobbling of three short musicals that he did off-Broadway, March of the Falsettos, In Trousers, and uh, Falsetto Land. He, he put that all into one big musical. And then his most recent big hit was the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which is running on Broadway until early January. Well, he hasn't had that huge a career. I mean, two big hits and one or two other small musicals and then some songs he wrote here and there. But they felt that it was enough to cobble some of his work together and create a, a little review. But I think the big mistake that they made, they made two, two mistakes. One is not doing it in a cabaret-style venue. They put it in New World Stages, which is a theater on West 50th Street. Very nice theater, but it's meant for plays. And it's kind of weird to sort of... It feels very high school auditorium-ish when you're watching a low-budget or low-budget-looking, low-grade musical like this. And especially also... The, the night I went, the audience was less than half full. So when you're in a theater like that, you kind of get a feeling. And as a matter of fact, two days after I saw the show, they announced that it's going to close in a couple of weeks. So there you go. Is it bad? No, not at all. I mean, William Finn is a very interesting and very entertaining songwriter, often very tuneful as well. And there are some, some marvelous songs that you probably haven't heard before that are in there. And also... There are, um, they do a whole suite of songs that are out of Falsettos, his great masterwork. So if you never got to see Falsettos, well, 
it's a way of hearing some of those songs and some of the great brilliance of that show. However, I really got into it because I love falsettos, and I kind of wondered that if I didn't, would I really be so cognizant of the score and, and know the show as, as well and be so moved by the 15-minute excerpts that they were showing. So I kind of felt, you know, A, it was great to hear those songs again, but it just made me want to see a full production of falsettos. Anyway, we're going to review one more show. And I, I will say that Make Me a Song, it's okay. It, it, it's, it's enjoyable, and it does build as the show goes on. But also, there's very few costumes. There, there isn't much in the way of a set. There's some light bulbs hanging and a curtain, and then someone pushes out a big red heart for the falsetto song. But I think they could have put a little more into the visuals on this one. So it's kind of a, an okay entertainment, wrong venue, and if they plugged in a little bit more, uh, more to look at, I think it would have been a lot better. Well, I'm also going to review The Piano Teacher, a kind of a chilling drama playing off-Broadway. But first, let's hear about our friends at Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine. There is a season, turn, 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 turn the pages of Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, because this is the season for Broadway. All the big shows are opening in the next few weeks. Learn about them all. For 64 years, Performing Arts Insider has been the Bible of Broadway. Find out why by going to PerformingArtsInsider.com. Subscriptions are 10% off for Dave's Gone By listeners. So turn, turn, turn to Performing Arts Insider for every show show under heaven. Yes, indeed, Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway. For it says, I said earlier, more than 64 years. It's 65 now that the new, uh, the new year is coming. The 65th volume of Performing Arts Insider is already out there. So, yay! Anyway, got one more show to review on Inside Broadway. It's called The Piano Teacher, and it's playing at the Vineyard Theater, but it's closing, I think, in one more week, so you only have a little more opportunity to catch it. And um, I would mm, not strongly, but mildly recommend it. it the, the play is about this old piano teacher. She's retired, and she's looking back on her life, and she had this nice little life, kind of suburban existence, where she would give piano lessons to all the children in the neighborhood. And um, we think, oh, what a sweet old lady, and she, she eats, she loves cookies, so she hides cookies all over her little apartment, and she actually hands out cookies to the first row in the audience. So if you're, you're buying tickets to the show, that's a, place, that's a place to sit. And anyway, she also tries to contact a couple of her old students, just to see how they're doing. And on some level, that's kind of neat, and she... she makes contact with some of the kids that she really liked and stuff. And then she also makes contact with a more scary kid, a kid who was affected not so much by her, but by her husband, who got out of a country where he saw all sorts of horrors and tortures and deaths and political upheavals and unbelievable misery. And what she learns over the course of, well, what she finally accepts, and what we learn over the course of the play, was that her husband never touched the kids, he never molested them, he never did anything like that. What he did was a little more subtle, but also quite, quite chilling. He basically killed their innocence by letting them know, very graphically, what he experienced in this country, the, the, the tortures that he saw and underwent. And so, it's kind of this dawning on her of what she 
allowed to happen in the kitchen while she was giving piano lessons. So, um, interesting play. There's a lot of things that don't quite add up in it, and some stuff that's thrown in, and you're not sure why. She has a stutter, and uh, certain elements of it, and, and even the whole cookie thing is almost seems a little beside the point. And um, the other problem is there are things that are vague that shouldn't be. It's like we hear that her husband comes from this, this terrible country, but we don't know if it's Latin American. And then there's a hint that he might have been black and had a mixed race relationship. But so, so many aspects that could have been specific and, and powerful are left vague because it's like this vague political play. And I think it could have worked better had she, she just made some more definite choices in the piece. But Elizabeth Franz is very good, very personable to watch in the lead role. And it is chilling, and it's kind of a good play. And, uh, again, mild recommendation for the piano teacher at the Vineyard Theater on East 15th Street from inside Broadway as we head towards Dave Goes Out. But don't go away. Got a minute or two more for you. We've just been inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheater.com and Performing Arts Insider. What's black and white and red all over? Photocopies made at Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. Any job that you have, including black and white copies, and they've got a brand new color copier, great quality, good prices, Wonderful family that has owned Ulit Man Press since the 1970s. So check them out. 516-569-5577. Hewlett Minute Man Press. They're the kings. They are the kings indeed. Hewlett Minute Man Press. 10% off for all days gone by listeners. And Performing Arts Insider. The... Bible of Broadway, as I've said, and remember, until the end of the year, Dave's Gone By listeners get this huge discount. It's like $80 off for an annual subscription. Go to PerformingArtsInsider.com to find out more. MortgagesRock.com, MortgagesRock.com, MortgagesRock.com. I won't say any more. Just visit them, MortgagesRock.com. And fancy schmancy balloons for all your party decorating needs, 516 797 3229. Now, if you want to talk about anything that you heard on this program, if you liked uh, Josh Lefkowitz or have any comments on the Broadway stuff, why don't you email me, davesgoneby at aol.com, davesgoneby at aol.com, and of course, check out my website, davesgoneby.org. I want to just let everybody know a couple of quick notes that Carrie Hoffman, the fellow who's doing My Sinatra, he's doing that on December 29th, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. at the Cutting Room on West 24th Street. He's doing My Sinatra, 212-691-1900 for tickets. 691-1900 to see. It's one night only at the Cutting Room, December 29th, 7.30 for My Sinatra. Okay, reminding you that Dave's gone by on TV airs Friday morning, 7.30, on Woodbury Cable Channel 20. You want to watch for me and Jeff and Charlie Gross on YouTube doing Two on the Isle. I was just on a new episode while Jeff was out of town, and Charlie and I reviewed a bunch of theater shows. So uh, that's going up on YouTube either today or tomorrow. So check it out, YouTube, for Two on the Isle. As I said, also go to my website, davesgoneby.org, for the new home of those 25 free episodes of the show from years past. 
davesgoneby.org gives you a link to theateronline.com. And don't forget to listen to Filler Up, 5.30 p.m. Saturdays on WGBB. It's a half hour of music chosen and hosted by me. Saturdays, 5.30 on WGBB. Well, I want to thank so much Josh Lefkowitz for appearing on this episode of Dave's Gone By. And a big thank you to Joyce Weil, my beloved and wonderful and adorable wife, who does such, such good improvs. Who knew? Anyway... In the upcoming weeks, we're going to try again with Isa, who did apologize for for not being able to be here last week. She was supposed to call in um, and didn't get to it because she was still doing a show and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, apologies were made. We're going to try getting it going in a week or two with Isa. Also, I have a couple of other interesting guests lined up for you. But now, unfortunately, it's 12.02 and we've got to go. So we will be back. Next Sunday, Erev, New Year's Eve, December 30th, 2007, with the 253rd episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz wishing you a good night, a happy and safe Christmas to our Christian listeners, a warm and fuzzy winter to everyone else, good times, and gone by. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you are so strong and curly. My crotch looks like an aerial view of actress Joel and Worley. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you are so soft and bushy. You start below my navel hole and run down to my tushy. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you're never moist or grungy. The special cream I smear on you keeps you firm and spongy. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, each one is an adventure. Each night I use a pubic hair to floss my grandpa's dentures. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you are so tough and wiry. I like to pull out pubic hairs and press them in my diary. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you're bushy like a schnauzer tail. I'm glad you grow so close to me, around my one-eyed trouser whale. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, you're such a strange enigma. If I don't wash you once a week, You'll turn all grey with smegma. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, protector of my boner. Pubic hair, oh pubic hair, I'm proud to be your owner.